So thankful that you guys are here this morning. I'm, I'm thankful to be able to come and bring the word. It's a, the first service was a great service, and uh, this one's going to be even better. Amen? Because we're more awake in the second service. So uh, this month, we're in the month of August, and it is, can anybody say that it is hot outside? My goodness, it's hot. Thank, man, I'm telling you. Sometimes I feel like we're getting closer and closer to the sun. But uh, August is a great month here at New Hope. This is our vision month, we're calling it. And we are talking about the vision of the church. And we believe the vision of God for each one of us uh, this whole month. And we kicked off the month by having our launch Sunday a couple weeks ago. Was anybody here for launch Sunday? We, we talked about, we showed our new logo and our new branding, everything we're doing to, uh, to update things and expedite our processes and trying to build unity through those things and, and to help build unity at least through those things. And we're, we've got a new, new website that uh, if you've been on our website lately, it, you see it's just a single page right now, but the, the new one, the, the finished product is coming in the next week or two. We're working hard on that. And uh, it's been really exciting. And then last week, Pastor Bowen shared one of the core values of our church, which is, which is connection. We believe wholeheartedly that we are called to be connected as believers to the body of Christ. And so uh, he shared that last week. And this week is our, as Pastor Steve said, is our Dream Team Sunday. It's our Serve Sunday. So today we're going to be talking about serving. And um, we believe that serving is a core value of us as believers. It's a core value of our church. You know, we'll, I'll say it again. The vision of our church is to win souls and make disciples. So what, the reason we do church is to see people that don't know Jesus to come into a relationship with Jesus. And then for those of us that do know Jesus, to grow in that relationship. That's why we do everything we do here. But the core values is, is kind of the outworking of that, how we do it, the mission of the church. And we believe our mission of this church is to connect, to grow, and to serve. And so today we're going to be talking about serving. But the thing is, serving is not just something that we want you to do in the church. We believe serving should be a core value of us as people giving our lives, pouring out our lives to others, and to live a life of serving others. And I'm, I'm going to make the argument today that we're all called to serve. And frankly, I think I'm going to do a pretty good job at it. So if you don't agree, don't tell me. All right. Uh, my sermon today is called Serving Time. It's time to serve. And uh, I'm going to start with the Word of God. You know, there's no better place to start than in the Word of God, right? So we're going to start there this morning. And uh, I want you guys to talk back to me today in a good way because uh, I, will, I, I think that I don't want to just come up here and preach a sermon. I want us to have a, a bit of a dialogue this morning. So I'm going to start right away in 1 Peter. It's in chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. It says, each one, everyone say each one. Each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, let me stop right there just for a second. Faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. So this tells me that when we are serving others, we are actually vessels of God's grace being administered to other people, to those people that we're serving. We are, we are administrators, we are ministers of God's grace when we serve. That's a powerful statement. He's saying, you know, we, we love the grace of God. Grace is what, well, that's how we're saved. We're saved by grace through, the, through our faith in Jesus. And God's saying, I will use you to extend that grace to be my grace for people if we will serve them, if we will give of our lives and pour out our lives to other people. That's a powerful statement there. It says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, everyone say, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him. Everybody say to him. Amen. Be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen and amen. To him be the glory forever. Is there any room in there for us to get glory when we serve? 
or when we, when we minister, when we give out our lives to other people, there's no room for us to receive any of the glory. Our lives are designed to bring him glory. And he uses us in serving to bring him glory. So when we give to, when we're serving others, we are, we are administering God's grace to those people and God is glorified. We get to be the middleman. Now, for some of us, that might sound like a bummer because we say, well, I kind of want some of the credit. Well, you're in the wrong faith then. Because in the Christian faith, we don't get the credit. God gets it all. He gets all the glory. Everything good that comes from us to anybody is all because of his grace in our lives. And he calls us to give that grace out as well. So as I get going here, I actually want to pray. I want you to pray with me. And we just ask the Lord to come and have his way in the rest of this time. So if you bow your heads. Father God, we love you today. Thank you so much for who you are, Lord. We thank you for this time of worship that we've had. We just come into your presence. Thank you that you are here with us today. And God, most of all, we thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and paying the price that we couldn't pay to bring us life and to set us free. And God, we want to glorify you with our lives. We pray that you would be blessed and glorified in this service. We pray that the words that are spoken that are of you would be sealed in our hearts today. And we pray most of all, Jesus, that you would get all the glory. And Holy Spirit, we invite you here. You are welcome in this place. Come and have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So if you'll notice in this verse, Peter says to use your gifts to serve others. Do you notice he didn't say here, use your gifts that God has given you to leverage your life and use it for your career to make more money and to have a, a more pleasant life and, and to, to be something that would be self-serving for you. He doesn't say that here. You know why he doesn't say it? Because he doesn't have to say it because that's natural for all of us, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with us using our gifts to further our career or to make more money or to do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But he doesn't have to tell us to do that because that's natural in each one of us. You know, if you're, if you're really, really good with numbers, good chance you might want to go into accounting or something that involves crunching numbers or banking or something like that. If you're my wife, you will never be involved in anything that has to do with numbers. And you shouldn't. Love you, honey. Um, but we use those giftings, right? Because we're drawn to fields, even in careers, we're drawn to that field if it's something we feel like we're naturally fairly good at. But Peter says here he has to tell us to serve others with our gifts because that's not natural for most of us. For most of us, we want to use our giftings to further our own self. But Peter's saying, well, that's fine. Well, he's not saying it here, but it is fine. But he's saying you also need to use it to serve others. But again, the reason he doesn't tell us that we need to use it for the other things is because it's naturally built into each one of us. You know, we, it's easy for us to do the things we want to do. You know, it's why you never hear a parent yell at their child, eat your dessert. Because they don't have to yell. They usually have to say, wait to eat your dessert. Eat your peas or your kale or whatever it is you don't like. By the way, peas are great. You know, Lasseur peas with a little bit of butter. <clears throat> Love it. But Peter's telling us here we need to use our gifts to serve others because that's how we're supposed to, that's why we're called to live our life is to serve others. Now, I know some of you are probably already saying, oh, here we go. This whole Sunday is just a pitch for them to get me to join their dream team. And they're going to make me feel guilty if I don't. Well, you're right. <laughs> no, we're not. We're definitely not going to make you feel guilty. But we are pitching our dream team today. In fact, if you've walked through the atrium, you probably saw tables out there. Those tables represent the different teams that we have in this church. And we're going to try to finish this service early enough that you will have time to go out. We really want you to go to these tables and look and see if there might be an area there that you would want to serve. Of course, we would want to give you that opportunity to serve. But it's not because we just need help in our dream team. It's not because, oh, we're just desperately in need of people to serve, so we're going we're gonna to trick you guys into coming here on a Sunday and manipulate you into joining our dream team. That's not what we're doing. We are going to give you that opportunity, 
but we're not doing it because we need you so much as we believe that when we serve, we are fulfilling God's purpose in our life. God has called each one of us to serve others. Now, if you would choose to do it in our dream team, that's great. You don't have to. In fact, if you serve on the dream team, we shouldn't feel like, well, I serve, you know, once a month on a Sunday at New Hope, so I'm good. We need to live our lives serving. Our lives are to be lived with an attitude of serving others, of giving to others. And like I said, I'm going to I'm going to scripturally make that argument uh, very clear today. The Bible is very clear about what we've been called to do as Christians, as people, to serve others. And this is a core value of our church, is serving. But again, it's not, because it's the, it's not about the, the fact that New Hope has this core value where if you're part of New Hope, you should serve. We believe that, that you guys are the church. The Bible says that we are the church. So if you're the church, then we're all called to serve. Now, church is a venue where we can come together. You know, talking about New Hope, we're a venue where people can come together and we can worship and we can fellowship and we can hear really, really great preaching. Amen. And, uh, and we can enjoy coming together like this, but this is not the church. This is, we are the church. The people are the church. This is just a building. If this building was, was gone tomorrow, we'd still be a church. Amen. And we're called to serve. Now, we are here as a church to empower you. As, now, again, now here I'm talking about actually New Hope. As, a, as, a, as a, uh, an organization here, we are here to empower you to be a light to the world. How many of you know this world is getting darker and darker? It is, isn't it? And we see it more and more. Technology has been a wonderful thing, but it also lets us see everything that happens around the world almost in real time sometimes. You know, there have been mass shootings in the last few weeks. There was, there was even a mass stabbing that didn't get much publicity or press, but it was there. There's, there's uh, prominent Christians that are coming out publicly and saying they might be renouncing their faith. There's all kinds of crazy stuff happening in this world. There's a lot of darkness in this world. But God has called us to be that light to the world. Not, not new hope, but us, the people of the church, we are called to be the light. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm going to give you a verse here. I'm going to let Jesus do his own talking. In Matthew 5, this is the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 13 to 14, look at what Jesus says here. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. Everyone say, I am the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We are designed to make an eternal difference in the lives of people that we are coming in contact with. Every one of us, not just preachers, not just church staff, not just those that are called to ministry. We are all designed to make a difference. We are all ministers of the gospel church. I'm not a minister any more than you are. Now, I'm in vocational ministry, but that doesn't make me more of a minister than you. We are all called to be ministers and to bring light into this dark world. It is not for us to hide he says, do we hide it under a, we don't hide it under a bowl. Remember the song we sang in VBS? I'm this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. We're called to let our light shine. There's no excuse for us to never 
let our light shine. And I know some of you would, would uh, scoff at that a little bit and say, you know, I just don't have much to give. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of a simple person or I, you know, I'm just trying to get through the week. You know, I'm, I got all these things going on in my life and I just don't have much. You know, I don't, I don't have much of a light to shine. And I would, I would argue with that and say, you don't have to have much. It's not about how much you have to give. It's about having a willing heart that's willing to give. God will use a willing heart that has less to give than somebody that's really gifted that wants to be about themselves and be self-serving. We all have something we can give. And the thing is, serving is an act of faith. See, it's important for us to understand that when we serve, it's not just because we're Christians and we're supposed to be nice. Okay? That's a common misconception sometimes among Christians. I'm a Christian. I should be nice and do nice things for people. That, that principle is okay, but you're missing something very, very important in there. When we do nice things, it is meant to be as an act of faith for somebody else. It's an act of faith. So that, that's what I was reading in First Peter, that God uses, when we serve others, he's actually using us to administer his grace to other people. It's not just doing something nice so, they think, so that that person thinks Christians are nice people. It's doing it as an act of faith to say, I'm doing this in Jesus' name. Because when we do it as an act of faith, it's anointed in a way that we can't even understand sometimes. And that's why buying a cup of coffee for somebody could get them saved if you do it as an act of faith. That's why Jesus said, you give a cup of cold water in my name, you won't lose your reward. There's a difference between giving it in his name and just giving it in your own name. And we're called to give it in his name and do it for him and trust that when we do it as an act of faith, that he will use it in a way that we could never do it on our own. Let me share a story from the Old Testament. Most of you know the prophet Elijah, one of the most powerful prophets of all the Bible. And his story is told in 1 Kings, mostly. And uh, we were introduced to him in 1 Kings 17. And he uh, told King Ahab that God had told him that there was going to be a drought in the land for three years because of the sin of the king and of Israel. Israel was really being wicked at this time. And so he went to king and said, hey, it's going to be a drought. And God took uh, Elijah to live down by this brook. And he said, uh, God told Elijah, I'm going to cause ravens to bring you food to feed you, and you're going to drink the water from the, from the brook. That's how you're going to stay alive in this drought. And so he did. God used ravens to bring him meat and bread in the morning and at night. How crazy is that? And it says that the, eventually the brook dried up. So God spoke to Elijah and said, hey, you need to go to Zarephath, I think it's pronounced, and there's this widow there that's going to take care of you until this drought ends. So Elijah gets up, goes to this, the town of Zarephath, and sure enough, there's this widow woman out there gathering sticks. And he says to her, he says, hey, can you uh, get me a cup of water? And as she's going to get this water, he says to her, also, can you make me, give me some bread too, please? And she says, sir, I'm actually here gathering sticks because I'm going to make a fire because I have only a little bit of oil in a jug and a handful of flour, and I'm going to go make a cake for me and my son to eat, and then we're going to die because this is the end. And Elijah says, I want you to go do what you said you're going to do, but I want you to make that cake, that bread for me. And he said, you'll have enough for you and your son. And as God lives, you will not run out of flour and oil until this drought ends. And so she did it. She didn't question him. She did it. She served this man as an act of faith. She stepped out in faith and served him because all she had, she didn't know this guy. And there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing to suggest that she was even a, a follower of Jehovah but that she was just some person. This guy asked her to do this, and she did this in faith. God led her to do it. And sure enough, the whole, through this whole drought, it doesn't tell us how long it was, but for this season, she, this flour and oil never ran out. She made bread, and her and her son and Elijah ate till they were full every day. 
And what you see here is, is the principle of serving in faith. Now, is it always that dramatic for us when we serve someone? Probably not. But the idea here is that when we serve, we do it in faith. And, and when we think, oh, I don't have much to give, you know, there's just, I, I'm not that gifted, I'm just a, you know, I, I'm nobody compared to some of these other people, I would, I would challenge you to look at the widow here. She had nothing. She was a widow, so she had no husband. She's literally down to her last handful of flour and a little bit of oil. She's about to die, but she served Elijah in faith, and God multiplied what she had and gave her everything she needed. But you know what's really interesting about this verse? I noticed this this week. It just kind of jumped out at me. The, the oil and the flour didn't multiply until she used it. As long as it sat in that jar, it would have just sat there, and she would have starved to death. But when she used it in faith, serving somebody, God multiplied it and used it, and she was able to receive the blessing from stepping out in faith and serving somebody else. That's, what God, that's how God has called us. It's supposed to be an act of faith for each one of us. So what I want to do today, I want to give you three principles of serving. Because when you preach, you're supposed to have three points all the time, right? That's what I'm told. So we're going to have three today. And I want give to you, give you all three of these, and um, I, I believe it's going to challenge you and encourage you when it comes to living a life of serving. And the first one is the mandate. There's a mandate given to us as followers of Jesus to serve others. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for 50 years or 50 minutes. We are all called to serve others. There's never a time where we can retire from serving others. You know, some of you might retire from military service, but you never retire from serving others if you're a follower of Jesus. There never comes a time where you can kick back, put your feet up and say, you know, I paid my dues. I'm going to let the young generation do the rest of it now. And I'm just going to enjoy the fruits of my labor. That happens in, in the work world and our careers, but it doesn't happen in the faith. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm very encouraged at New Hope because, you know, our dream team is over 200 strong in this church. And a large portion of our dream team is senior citizens that have, not, that have said, I'm not going to just use my golden years to just sit back and let everybody else do all the work now. But they're determined to serve. And I'm very thankful for the, the legacy ministry we have in this church because we have a lot of, a lot of seniors that, that serve and have, and have taken and have been commissioned and have heeded the words of Jesus that we, we don't ever retire from service. Amen? So we're all called to serve. And, you know, I was thinking this week as I was preparing this, it's so important for us to make that decision to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live that life of serving. Because, you know, we, if you got saved, you had to make a decision to follow Jesus, right? We have decided to follow Jesus. Another, another song that we used to sing in VBS, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow, right? We're dedicated. We follow Jesus. Well, this is, this is the thing, church. Sometimes I feel like we, we can get into this routine of, of saying that we're followers of Jesus, but we don't always consider the cost of what that means. You know, today in this age, with the age of social media, you can follow somebody, and that doesn't mean anything more than you get to see the pictures they post and you just hope your life's better than theirs, right? That's what a follower is now. But if we're following Jesus, it's a completely different thing. You know, to, to suggest that you're following somebody or something means you have to be going somewhere. You know, Jesus, if we're following him, that means Jesus is going. I got I to gotta try to keep up with him. Where's Jesus going? I'm following Jesus. Well, where, do, where do we think Jesus is going? Because the word tells us, Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you have to take up your cross and what? Follow me. 
And I could tell you today, church, that if we're following Jesus, you know, I think sometimes we think, okay, well, I'm following Jesus. I, I really hope that if one, you know, I'm going to follow him, I hope he's going to take me to my bank and he's going to put a big deposit in my checking account. Or maybe I could follow him to my place of work and he could tell my boss how much I need a raise and how much I deserve a promotion and how hard I've been working around here. Or maybe I could just follow him to a resort where I can sit on the beach and kick my feet up and drink sweet tea. I think sometimes we get in our head that that's, man, I really wish that was what it was like to follow Jesus. But unfortunately, it's not always like that. Now, does he help us financially and in our job? And is he good with us having vacations? Amen and amen. But the bulk of us following Jesus means if we're following him, I can tell you where Jesus is going. He's going to the people. He's going to serve others. That's where he's going. He even said, he said, I did not come into this world to be served, but to serve. So if we're following him, we're following him to other people. We can't follow him to the things we want to follow him to. And, and then when he goes off and does something we don't want, well, I'll just stay here. I'll wait till you get back, Jesus. You know, we follow him or we don't follow him. And there is no turning back. You know, I was thinking, I think about Peter, the apostle Peter. You know, he bragged all the time while Jesus was on earth, you know, how much he loved Jesus. He said, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. And Jesus said, Peter, brother, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, I won't do it, you know. And, and we all know the story. He, he denied Jesus three times the night he got crucified so much the third time it says he called curses down on himself. He said, I, I bleepity bleep don't know the bleepity bleep guy. You know, he was really determined to not be associated with him. And when he realized what he'd done, he was devastated. But I, man, I love the heart of our God. Because when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and the women came to the tomb, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. He's pointed out specifically, go get Peter too. Don't let him be wallowing in his guilt. I'm going to reinstate this boy. And then we know he went and had a meal with them. And that was where he reinstated Peter. And he said, the way he reinstated him was he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, feed my sheep. And he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I do love you. He said, feed my sheep. And he asked him a third time because he denied him three times. He asked him three times. He said, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was actually grieved because he said, Jesus, you know all things. You know my heart. You know that I love you. And Jesus said one more time, feed my sheep. You know what feed my sheep is? It's serve my people. That's what it is. It's serving my people. Who are his sheep? His sheep aren't these animals that are sitting there in a, in a pen. His sheep are his people. He's saying, serve my people. He's saying, build up my people. You know, you're going to be a pioneer of the church. I need you to feed these people. Now, does that include feeding them with the word and, and preaching the word and getting people saved? Of course it does. But again, like I said, we're not all preachers. So if he's telling us to feed his sheep, he's saying, serve my people. He said, so we could say, if you love me, feed my sheep. You could translate that to say, if you want to follow me, serve my people. That's the heart of Jesus for each one of us. You know, I've, uh, about five months ago, I started working out in the mornings um, I'm getting huge. Not really. <laughs> I've realized how hard it is at my age to lose weight. It just gets harder and harder as the years tick off, right? But, you know, I've, I've been working here at the church for a while, and, you know, you just you sit at a desk all day, and people bring in great food to bless you, and you just, you know, you, you see your belt less and less and less. And, and uh, I got sick of it, and, and I finally had this opportunity. There's this organization that's it's all over the, the U.S., I think, but the, the branch of it that's here, it's called F3, the F stands for Fitness, Faith, and Fellowship. And it's guys that get together. Uh, the one here in town gets together at the Lady A Amphitheater. 
We do it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. We meet at 5.15 in the morning. You know, I, I, God's not even up then, so I don't know why we're up, but, <laughs> but we do it. My alarm goes off at 4.45, and, and I just about can't, it's, I can't believe it some mornings, but I've committed to doing it because it's about the only time I feel like I have time to do it. And we get together, and uh, it's, it's, all, it's all guys that's peer-led. There's anywhere from 10 to 15 of us there, and there's usually a different guy who leads the workout every, every time. And the guy that leads the workout for that day, his name, we call him the Q. You're the Q if you're leading that day. And what we do is we start out at the parking lot in a circle, and he'll kind of go over the, the vision and the mission of F3. And then from there, we always run to a certain place to start working out. And we'll usually move to different places. We'll go all over the government complex there in Evans. And, um, but it always includes running and push-ups and sit-ups. It's boot camp, basically, and burpees and all kinds of stuff that just puts you in a lot of pain and, and makes, really tests your, your will as to whether or not you will cuss under your breath sometimes, you know? And uh, it's always brutal. There's times I'm having a hard time holding the steering wheel driving home, you know? I mean, it's a, some of these guys have been doing it forever, and they're in great shape, but I'm, I still struggle through it. But, but the, the thing is, we always start in one spot in a circle, and then the queue takes off running, and we just follow him. And we don't know where he's going. But one thing we know is that we're going somewhere to go work out. We're going to beat our bodies. We're going to, to go through some, some suffering and some pain in a few minutes. We always know that, but that's why we're there. So we don't ever question it. There's no chance that tomorrow morning if we go and the queue takes off running, that he just veers left and we go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a couple donuts. <laughs> no chance. It's not going to happen because that's not why we're there. We know what we're getting into when we go there. And so it's the same thing when we follow Jesus. Like, we don't necessarily know where we're going when we follow Jesus, but we know what we're going to do. We're going to serve others. We're going to pour out our lives to others. We're going to give to others. We're going to live a life of generosity and pouring ourselves out for other people because that's what he's doing. So if we're, if we're bought in, if we're going to get up in the morning and we're saying, I'm a Christian, then we're following Jesus. We may not know where he's going, but we know what we're going to do. And we know what our life's going to look like no matter where we are, whether it's at our job or in family, in the neighborhood, at church, our life is going to look like disciples of Jesus that are serving others and giving out their lives to others because that is, what, that is how God imparts the grace of God to people in our lives is through us oftentimes. So it's a, it's a privilege to be able to do it, and that's the mandate that God has given us. Now, the thing about the mandate of serving is it makes it sound like, you know, like, oh, you have to serve, you have to serve. We're not here to browbeat or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is that if we're free, you know, Jesus set us free. We're free from the curse of sin and death. Free people serve others. They just, they just do. That's a nature of being truly free. Now, if you say I'm free, but I kind of, I'm doing my own thing and I don't really ever give out anything to anybody else, then you're not really free because free people serve other people. I, I, uh, Galatians chapter five, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. This is the apostle Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. And chapter 5 is the freedom chapter. He talks about freedom. In fact, he starts off the very first chapter, uh, verse of chapter 5. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He says, don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's saying, don't go back into slavery. You're free. And so if, if, if you can read that verse and you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to wonder if you're free. You are free. Now, whether or not you're going to walk in that freedom is up to you, but you are free. But then he goes on later in the chapter to show us what that freedom actually looks like. Look what he says here in Galatians 5, verses 13 to 14. He says, my brothers, you were called to be free. Everyone wants to amen that, right? But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself, serve others, use your freedom to serve other people. You know why? Because the number one way by far that God meets the needs of people in this world is through other people. Now, does God do miracles where he intervenes miraculously? Absolutely. All the time. There's people in this room that have received miraculous healings from God, physical healings. I guarantee it. And you've received those, those miraculous healings where you didn't need anybody else. God just touched you and healed you. And it can't even be explained. It's happened more times than I can count. But I'll tell you this too, that even those same people would, would agree that the majority of the times we've had physical needs met in our life, it was from another person. It was from a doctor or it's from somebody that, that created some medicine that we were able to take to get that. God uses people to meet needs of other people. God uses people to meet our financial needs. Does God miraculously meet our needs financially sometimes? Yes. I've had it happen more times than I can count. But you know what? It was never a check that said from heaven on it. It always had somebody else's name on it. God used that person to meet my need. And that's what God does for us. He uses us to meet the needs of people in our lives. That's why it's so important that we serve. That's why, that's why he says that I'm using you to administer my grace to other people because that's what he does. He uses people. Now, I'm all about asking for the miracle, praying for God to do the supernatural thing that can't be explained. Love it. He does it all the time. But we also have to know that God uses people to meet our needs. And it's no less of a miracle if God puts it on somebody's heart to meet a financial need of yours that they have no reason to have to meet. That's just as much of a miracle, amen? Because God uses people. All right, so the second one is the lie. The second principle of serving is the lie. Serving others is something that glorifies God. It's something that honors him and brings him glory and, and advances his name throughout the, the world. So if it's a good thing for God to use us to serve, then that's something the enemy's going to come against. The enemy doesn't like anything we do that's going to glorify God because anything that advances God's kingdom does what? It shrinks the enemy's kingdom. They're in a battle of kingdoms. Now he's in a losing battle, but he isn't going to give up. So he's going to lie and try to get us to not serve because the thing is, the enemy cannot take away your gifting. He cannot take away your ability to serve. He cannot take away any of those things. But what he can do is make you feel like it's insignificant so you won't do it. That's all he can do. He can make you feel like it, it doesn't matter. There's nothing, it's not that big a deal. Like you don't, you don't have that much to give. Somebody else will do it if you don't. You're really busy. You know, I mean, you're, you're raising four kids. It's just, you just need to focus on you. You need some you time for the next 10 years. Those are the things the enemy will say to us to make us feel like, you know, I, I have nothing to give. You know, my contribution wouldn't be that much anyway. The widow could have easily said that too. Listen, Elijah, you need to move on to this next person over here because they probably have more food and money. All I got left is a little bit of flour and oil. That's, she could have said that and she would have missed out on everything that God was trying to use to bless her because the enemy will lie and try to tell you that what you have to give is insignificant. And it makes me think about King David, you know, he was the second king of Israel, the greatest king of Israel by far, by all accounts. And when we think of him as, you know, this great mighty king and this mighty warrior. And, I mean, he killed a nine-foot-tall Goliath. You know, he, man, David was something. But you know what? When it came time for the next king to be anointed by Samuel, Samuel was told by God, go to Jesse's house and anoint the next king. I'm going to show you which one of his sons is the king. 
And Jesse brought in all seven of his sons, seven of his eight sons, and paraded them in front of Samuel. And Samuel went up to everyone, and God said, nope, 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 all the way down. And Samuel finally says, Jesse, do you have any more sons? Because none of these guys are it. And Jesse almost, it was almost as if he was like, oh yeah, I do have one more. I forgot. I got this guy, David, out in the, he's on the field taking care of the sheep. And Samuel says, bring him. And sure enough, Samuel, they bring him in, Samuel anoints him, he becomes king, the rest is history. But the fact of the matter is, even David's own father didn't see him as a viable option to be the king of Israel. Now, there's nothing in the Bible to suggest that Jesse was a bad father or that he didn't like David. I think it was just, he just didn't think about it because David was just a little shepherd boy. But you know, God said, even to Samuel, he said, don't look at the outward appearance. He said, I look at the heart. God looks at the heart. So it doesn't, it's not about our stature. It's not about how much gifting we have. It's not about how, how talented we are or whether or not we're one of those upfront, you know, outfront ministers of the gospel. If you're a musician or a singer or a preacher, it's not about whether or not you have that. It's about your willingness to serve. It's about having a heart that's willing to let God use whatever it is you have because he can multiply whatever you have for his glory. And he's looking for those willing people, not necessarily the most gifted, but the most willing that will say, God, I don't have much, but what I have, you can have it. I'm going to give it for you. I'm going to let you use it. And see, the thing is with David is that he was anointed. Once he, once he received the anointing, everything changed for him. And he was able to be that mighty king, that mighty warrior that God called him to be. Well, we have that anointing to serve. You know, we got the privilege of living in the New Testament. We're saved. We could be filled with the Holy Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit when we get saved, and we can be baptized, go to another level in the Holy Spirit to where there's an anointing on us that whatever we do can be anointed in a way that can change people's lives. We've all got that ability to live that out in our lives, every one of us. God does not discriminate against us when it comes to that. I think another lie that we believe sometimes is that I don't have to do anything. I don't, you can't make me do anything. I'm saved by grace. You can't make me serve. There's nowhere in the Bible says I'm saved by serving. And you're right. We're saved by grace. But I, I can read, I'm going to read something out of James that might, might shake you up a little bit because uh, James, you know, he, he kind of told it the way it was. Look at James chapter 2, verses 20 to 22 and then 24. He starts off in, in, chap, in verse 20. You foolish man. I really wish James would just say what he means, you know. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Now, let's be real. Deeds is about serving. It's about what you do. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. So that tells me without, faith, without deeds, our faith is incomplete. His faith was made complete by what he did. And then look at verse 24. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So to me, that says it is pretty important that we, that we do something, that we give our lives in service to others. There's, there's no place in the Christian life for us to be self-serving all the time and selfish, right? And listen, I know that it's easier for some people to serve than others. You know, some people are just wired to serve. There's actually a, a gifting that God gives some people. Romans 12, I believe, talks about the, some of the gifts that God gives out. One of the gifts that God gives out is a gift of serving. And you know what? You know those people that have that gift if you have those people in your life because they're always there to help. Always. They show up early and they stay late to help clean up. And it almost feels like they get a bigger kick out of helping clean up than even the actual event itself. 
And we love those people, don't we? You love having those people in your life because you can always count on them to help out when you're in need. You really love them when you're moving, and especially if they own a pickup truck, right? But on the flip side, you also know the people that are the opposite of that, that have no desire to serve or have that attitude of, I don't have to do anything, because they, will have, they have a Rolodex of excuses every time you call them if they don't want to do what you're asking them to do. So I know it is easier for some to serve than others. And, but just because you don't have that gift doesn't mean God isn't going to use what you give to, to be a blessing and to help further his kingdom and to even be a blessing to you. In fact, that's my third and final point is, is that one of the principles of serving is the blessing. There's a blessing in our lives that comes from serving. Now, I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, partially because I'm almost out of time, but part, uh, also because... I don't, want, I don't think for us that the blessing of serving should be the primary motivation for us. You know, we believe in the blessing. God, God's a God that blesses. He's a good, good father. And he blesses. But that can't be our motivation because, because if it is, then when it doesn't feel like a blessing, we quit. If we don't see the blessing, if it's like, well, this is actually inconveniencing me quite a bit, doesn't feel like a blessing, we quit. And so it's okay to look at the blessing, but that can't be our primary focus. But we do know that God sees us and he rewards us when we honor him and when we serve others. Look at uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. It says, God is not unjust. Can I get an amen? amen? He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. Look very closely what he says there. He says, he will not forget the work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people. God is saying here that you are showing the love, that you love God by helping others. And that is something that God says, I see that and I will not forget. How many of you know it's a good thing when God doesn't forget something good we do? Amen. You know, sometimes when you do something good for someone and they're like, oh, I owe you one, I owe you one. You know, nine times out of 10, that means absolutely nothing, Right? Not because we're bad, we just forget. But God, if he says, oh, I owe you one, I'm not going to forget that, you can know he's not going to forget. And that's a good thing when God remembers what we do. You know, the Bible tells us that we reap what we sow. And that's a scary verse if you're sowing some negative things. But if you're doing things that God, it pleases the Lord, that's a verse I want tattooed everywhere. I want it on my mirror I want it everywhere I look because I want to remember God's going to, I'm going to reap what I sow because that's the principle that God has instituted for my life. And so we could trust that, that if we're serving others, he sees that as us saying, I love you, God, and I'm going to serve your people. And he sees it and he loves it. You know, sometimes, some of us, sometimes we need miracles in our life. You know, you may be holding out right now for a miracle. You may, see, you may have a situation in your life where you feel like, God, if you don't intervene in a special way, I don't know what I'm going to do. We all go through seasons like that in our life. You may, some, in a room this size, there's people that are going through that right now. And I'm here to tell you today that oftentimes those miracles we're looking for are on the other side of serving, on the other side of serving others, of giving out of ourselves, of giving from our place of need. You know, the woman that put the, the small amount in the offering in the temple and, and some of the other guys were coming through and putting in big offerings. And Jesus saw that she put in this real small offering, a, a fraction of a penny, and he said, he said to his disciples, that woman gave more than all those other guys combined. And then he qualifies it. He said, because she gave out of her need. And he said, because of this, she will be honored for generations to come. We're still talking about her today 
And that was thousands of years ago because she gave out of her need. And when we need a miracle, sometimes the thing we need to do is actually give out of that need to other people. Now, I'm not saying like if you got a financial issue and you've only got $20 left to your name that you're supposed to give that 20 bucks to somebody. God does do that sometimes. Absolutely. But that's something you have to know the Lord told you to do that. But whatever the need is, there's always an area where we can give of ourselves. Always. And I'm telling you, that widow would not have got her miracle if she did not give of herself for Elijah. She would not have received that miracle that she needed. But because she did, she got the miracle that she needed. She was at that place of desperation, saying, God, if you don't come through, this is it for me and my son. We're going to die after we eat this last little meal. But because she stepped out in faith, God met her, and she got her miracle. The kingdom of God is advanced through us serving. That's another part of the blessing that we receive when we serve others. The kingdom of God is advanced. And for some of you, you might say, well, yeah, it's great, but, you know, that's not something that I can see palpably in my own life. Well, let me tell you, if, if we are not passionate about advancing the kingdom of God, what are we doing? If we're not passionate about people getting saved and people getting set free from darkness and us being a light in the dark and making a difference in our world, what are we doing? This is not meant to be a club where we come together and talk about how spiritual we are, right? And, and the time to... The time to The time to honor God is not just Sunday morning. It's seven days a week, six, 365 days a year, 366 on leap year. That's why we're here. And I'm telling you, as we serve others, God uses us to advance his kingdom. He uses us to be his hands and feet to people. And you don't know, there's a reason that Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not miss your reward. Because he, Jesus is trying to say, just do anything. Just give a cup of cold water. Just do something for others, because that's what I'm using to minister my love to the people. And that has to burn inside of us. That has to be part of who we are. Has, if we bleed, we got to bleed that. And, and I'm telling you, if you're here today and you're like, I really don't feel that. I want to, but I don't feel it. Then that's, that's something that we need to go to God and say, God, help me. Help me get my eyes off myself and help me see things the way you see them. Break my heart for the lost. I pray it all the time, church. Being a pastor doesn't make you all of a sudden just want every lost, willing to sacrifice to make sure lost people are saved. It's easy to get caught up in whatever we're doing, whether your vocation is in church ministry or if it's a, being a garbage man or a doctor or a plumber, whatever it is, you can get caught up in what you're doing. But God would say, look, look, to the, what, look at the, the situation around you to advance my kingdom. I put you where you are for a reason. It's not insignificant. Your gifting is not insignificant. You're enough. I put you there for a reason. I want to use you to be a light to your world. Don't hide it under a bushel. No. We are a city on a hill. Each and every one of us. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I close. I want, to, I want to challenge you today. The decisions that you make today will determine the direction for your tomorrow. The decisions you make today will determine your direction for tomorrow. And I want to challenge you today to make a decision. First of all, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, if you've never asked him to be Lord of your life, 
you've never made him your Lord and Savior and asked him to forgive you of all of your sins, I am begging you, please don't leave this place today without making that decision. It's, there's never, too often times I hear people say, you know, I'm just not quite ready. I want to wait till I'm ready. You're, you're always ready. The, that's the beauty of Jesus. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get yourself cleaned up and perfect to come to Jesus. He says, come as you are. And I will in no ways cast you out. I will take you. I will receive you as my own. He's the one that cleans you up. He don't want you to be clean before you get to him because you can't do it anyway. It's impossible. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags to him. We have nothing to give him except ourselves. So don't leave today without inviting him into your life and saying, Jesus, come, be Lord of my life. It, it doesn't have to be this eloquent prayer. You just say, Jesus, I just know I need you. I know I'm a sinner and I need the forgiveness of all of my sins. And I know you can do that. I believe that you lived a sinless life. I believe you died on a cross. And I believe three days later you rose again and you're in heaven. And I want to be with you one day when I die. That's all it takes. And dedicate giving your life to him. He will come in and he will dwell in you. But if you have, if you are a follower of Jesus today, but you say, you know, I, I kind of only follow him to the places I want to follow him to. I don't, can't say I necessarily always follow him where, I want it, where he wants me to go. I want to challenge you today to make that decision. Because the decisions we make today will affect our tomorrow. Make that decision today. To say, yes, Lord, I want to live my life to serve others. I serve you by serving others. You can't say you serve God and not serve others. It's impossible to do. And I want to encourage you in that today. In fact, I want to pray for all of us because I think every one of us can, can uh, be encouraged by this. Because I, I believe there's always, we have to refocus our own eyes and our own minds sometimes and make sure that we're allowing the Lord to speak to us and show us what he, where he wants us to go and where he wants us to be an influence, right? So I'm going to ask you to pray with me and just receive this, this prayer this morning. This is for all of us. Lord Jesus, thank you so, so much for your word. We thank you today for who you are, God. God, we love you today. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for putting your spirit in us and empowering us to live for you. Lord, I pray today for anybody in this room that doesn't know you as their Lord, God, that you would touch their heart right now. I pray that you would draw them to you, show them that you're not angry with them, that you have not rejected them, but that you will receive them, but they have to take that step, Lord. Prompt their hearts to do that even now. And Lord, for those of us that know you and would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, God, I pray today that you would show us your heart for the people in our lives. Show us your heart for the people. Open our eyes to see the world around us and what you have called us to, Lord, to, to serving others, to giving ourselves to others, Lord. Show us what that looks like in our lives, Lord. God, we want to see things the way you see them. We want our heart to be broken for the things that break your heart. We ask that you would do that in our lives, God. Take us to that place, Lord, where we, where we serve you recklessly, where we will never turn back. We will say, wherever you go, Jesus, I will follow you. I will follow you to others. I, will, I love you, God, and I will feed your sheep. Show us what that looks like, God. We want to receive that, Lord. We want to get outside of ourselves and not be so consumed with the busyness of our life, Lord. We want to cast that off today and make room and make margins in our life to where we can serve others. We can be your vessels of grace to people in our lives and in this world. I just challenge you today, church, if you want to receive that, just, just raise your hands if you're comfortable with that as we pray. God, would you just give that to us today? Lord, we need more of you. 
We need more of you in our life, less of this world and more of you. We want to be a light that shines in this world. We want to be that city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We will not put our light under a bowl. We will let it shine for the world to see. And I pray that you would reveal to us exactly how that looks in each one of our lives, Lord. And we will trust you. We will, we will serve in faith, not just to be nice, but we will serve in faith knowing that you're going to use our acts of service to further your kingdom and to take away from the enemy's kingdom. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Lord, we just come against any attacks of the enemy that would cause these people to feel like they have no significance or they, can't, they have nothing to give or they're not good enough or they're not polished enough, or they're not smart enough. We come against that today in Jesus' name. We break that off, and we thank you, Lord, that we are good enough, we are smart enough, we have enough, because you are in us. And we commit ourselves to you and submit ourselves to you and to your leading. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.